0: Bibles with you this evening. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We'll look at this book one more time. It's our last, last message in this wonderful book. Hope it's been encouragement to you. It's the first time I've preached through this book, and it has been a help to me. And again, I hope it's been a help to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words that were, that which was written was upright, even the words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further, by these, my son, be admonished of making many books, there is no end, and much study is awareness of the flesh. Amen and amen. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work unto, into judgment, with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Father, we thank you for again tonight. I pray you would help us as we look to your word, that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us, would point out areas, Lord, where we need to change, we need to be conformed to the image of your dear son. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We ask you bless tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. A massive passenger airplane, the Airbus 380, was crossing the Pacific Ocean one afternoon, cruising along an autopilot at 30,000 feet when suddenly an aero fighter jet capable of breaking the sound barrier with Mach 2 speed appeared alongside the young pilot of the fighter jet slows down flies alongside the airbus and greets the pilot of the passenger plane by radio airbus your flight must be really boring to travel along so slowly watch this with that He rolled his jet over a few times, accelerated, breaking through the sound barrier with a crashing boom. Then he flew to a dizzying height, only to swoop down towards the ocean in a breathtaking dive. Eventually, he lopped back next to the Airbus and asked, What did you think of that? The Airbus pilot answered, Impressive, but watch this. The jet pilot watched the Airbus as nothing happened. It continued flying straight at the same speed. After five minutes, the Airbus pilot radioed the jet pilot. What'd you think of that? He responded, I didn't see you do anything. The other pilot laughed and said, I got up, stretched my legs, walked back to the kitchen, got a cup of coffee and a cinnamon roll. <laughs> the moral of the story is, when you're young, speeding a drill in, a drill in, is best but when you get older getting a cup of coffee in a cinnamon roll was much better <laughs> really nothing's wrong with either one of those experiences I guess it's your perspective but based on what we've been reading here uh, from Solomon we know he's come down towards the end of his life as a young man he had so much promise so much potential God used him in such a and wonderful way and how he ruled, ruled Israel Of course, built the temple that God told him to build. Did so many wondrous things in expanding the territory, even beyond what his father David had done. But unfortunately, as we've mentioned many times in our study of the book of Ecclesiastes, he failed. He he sinned against God. He heaped upon himself too many wives, concubines, and they turned his heart away from God. He started worshiping false gods. And because of that, God ripped the kingdom from it, and it was divided. But thankfully, I believe, and I, I believe that towards the end of his life, he repented of his sin. He recognized he was wrong. And at the end of his life, he writes these words, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to his sons, his, his grandsons, to those come after him to help them in life. One commentator wrote, he spent many years of life deep in the ocean of sin. He came up for an only when he realized that he was in desperate, he was desperate for meaning and purpose. So, thank God that he, I believe, repented of his sin, came back to himself, as as the prodigal son did, and started walking with God. And he writes these things. Of course, they have been a blessing for thousands of years. And again, as I mentioned, hopefully they'll be a blessing to you. But What can we learn in these last few verses, verses 9 through 14, as we finish up this study in the book of Ecclesiastes? Uh, What can we learn? Well, first of all, the true meaning of life. First of all, Solomon remembers his search for truth. He remembers his search for truth. It says in verse nine over because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. He gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The common practice, uh, if you might interested, he's talking in third person. A common practice in Near uh, Eastern literature was a writer speak of himself in third person. Moses, David, John, Apostle John did it. Uh, So he reserves himself as the preacher, as he had done before. So he writes these words, uh, he weighs them, he realizes they're important, he he evaluates them carefully, he studies them, he thinks about them, he arranges them, he skillfully orders them, then he proclaims them to us because they're important. verse 10, the preacher sought to find acceptable words accepted words that were written was upright even words of truth they weren't just a collection of random words uh, to, to, to tickle the ears of the of the hearers they were they were words of substance they were words of purpose and really that should be the word, all of us as we speak the Bible says he that keepeth his mouth and tongue keepeth his soul from troubles if we know our words are written in a book as the Bible tells us that we're accountable for our words our words should be th- we should be thinking about our words. Don't let your mouth get ahead of your head. <laughs> Amen. Don't, don't let it get so far the way that you wish you could catch them uh, but, and bring them back. But the words become like feathers in a hurricane. Once they're out, you don't catch them again. They're out. And the only thing to do at that point is have remorse and ask forgiveness of them. But how many times... Have we said things we wish we could say? But if we were like a fish and kept our mouth shut, we'd kept ourselves from getting a hook, right? <laughs> we have to be careful what we say. Verse 11 tells us, He remembers his search, the words of the wise are as goads, they are nails fastened by the masters of the assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. The English word goad was a word for a point, a spearhead, an arrowhead, a uh, pointed stick to drive along or to, 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 to herd the cattle. Uh, one commentator wrote, these words have been, sh- been shaped in such a way they pass through our defense defenses and explode with meaning in our minds and hearts. Why does a book have that type of impact and power in our hearts? Because it's not an ordinary book. It's, it's God's word. It's unique. It's powerful. So we see, first of all here, his search for the truth but secondly the source for wisdom the source of wisdom verse 11 the words are as wise goes his nails fastened the master assemblies which are given for him shepherd this shepherd of course uh, is probably one of the most known people or occupations there at this time of course David was a shepherd we think of Christ as the good shepherd it's a reference to Yahweh the God of Israel the shepherd of Israel this is the God of Solomon, heard his father sing about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So we know the importance of, of God's word. We read about it in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is in any private interpretation of the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but the holy men of God, of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So Solomon was conscious of his own activity, his own personality, his own study as he collected and organized and crafted these expressions, but ultimately he realized it was God's word. And isn't that true in our life that we, we, we think about what we're going to say and, and what we're going to do, but hopefully we, as we speak, we speak as God would have us to speak. We speak as we understand the Word of God, we actually we speak words that are actually from the Word of God, and we try to repeat them as we memorize them and meditate on them and think on them. You, you amaze yourself as you start to witness to other people what words will come out of your mouth as you study the Bible and begin to explain the gospel to that person. Today I had a, a gentleman who came in to work on my lawn, and after he was finished, I took some time and I shared the gospel with him and tried to explain to him the need for, sal- his need for salvation he had tattoos up and down his arm and he said now i just want you to understand i'm a pagan i said well you know I, do you mind if i talk to you about the scriptures or the bible he said don't mind at all so he let me share the gospel with him he didn't accept christ as a savior but he listened he listened he listened, he listened to the he listened to the truth and i warned him uh, about waiting too late before he trusted in christ but as we share the Word of God, as we talk about the Word of God, these things, uh, they, they come in our mind, but they're really, as we, as we ask God to, to help us and lead us and be with us as we speak His language to other people, they become even more important. So what are they doing with the very words of God? You can listen to a preacher or a teacher and never really need to open your Bible. You have to, you have to study it for yourself. That's what Paul said to Timothy. Timothy, Study to show yourself approved unto God. Uh, you you want to know yourself, not just what the what the preacher says or what, what mom and dad says, but what does the, what does the Bible say? You, we, we all have a need a personal relationship with God and understand it and be able to communicate it to our, to others ourselves. So Solomon essentially uh, delivers the warning to his son that we see here in verse in verse 12. He says, "And further, by these, my son, be admonished. To make you many books, there's no end. And much to his study is weariness of the flesh." Oh yes, I could say amen to that. If any of you've done any study uh, of books, you're, there is weariness in it. Uh, but thank God, you can take a break from it, and uh, it's a, it's a good thing. The, the average person is reading about two or three hours a day from their smartphone. <laughs> That's a real source of wisdom, right? Three thousand books printed in America every single day. Now we're about a million books per year, and Solomon is saying to his son, "You know, there's lots of books out there. It's good, but it's weariness in that." One reformer, Martin Luther, once said, "One book is good, but a thousand books are better." Amen. I like books, but most importantly is the book. We should be we should, we should be readers. Readers are leaders, and leaders are readers. We should all be able, We all should be reading. It's good for us. It's good for our mind. It helps us in so many ways. But never neglect the word of God and read something else beside of it. So Solomon is simply warning his son and us that everything outside of Scripture. Be careful what you read. I have a library full of books, but even books that are based on the Bible, even commentaries by good men, sometimes you have to you have to run through the through the screen or the sieve of the, of the Word of God and say, make sure what it says, is it, is it line up to the scriptures? Is it, you, know, you have to be careful as you, as you look at different books and read different books or watch different preachers. Is what they're saying, is it line up to the Bible? And if there's any difference to what they say or what it says to the Bible, you always stick with the Bible. We're Bible believers. We're Bible, Bible people. We need, to be, we need to stick to the Word. So Solomon remembers his search, his search for truth. Uh, Solomon introduces the source of wisdom, which is the word of God. But finally this evening, Solomon delivers his own summary in life. And if you could summarize life in maybe just a few words, what would you summarize it to be? <clears throat> would you say, love God? That's maybe one. Would you say, do right? Uh, would you say... Uh, love other people. I mean, lots of, lots, of, lots of sentences or words or purposes in your life. Uh, I've often said the, the success is finding God's will for your life and doing it. But here, as he closes this book, he admonishes us here in, in chapter, uh, chapter 12 and coming towards the end in verse 13. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He sums up the whole thing. He's getting ready to close up the whole book. What does he come down to? What's the last words this preacher is going to say to his congregation? What's the last thing he's going to say to his listeners? He says, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Fear God. Oh, my soul. We've lost our reverence for God, haven't we? We've lost our awe of God. People use so much slang to talk about God. The old man upstairs. My, it just, it's, they use so much vain words to talk about God. Well, his, ho- his, his name is holy. It should be reverenced. We should never use God in any type of uh, improper way, any type of uh, joke or jest. His name is holy. He is holy. Fear God. Think about that. What's it mean to fear God? What's it mean to him? Well, there's one acrostic I could give to you tonight, maybe help you out as we first of all focusing on worshiping God. Then we read about Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus said to them, "Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind." The first step is is worshiping Him. How do we do that? By fearing God. Here's one acrostic that I found that found. What is it? Well, fear, favor His presence. E exalt his glory a acknowledge his sovereignty and r remember his goodness so the f starts for his favor his presence To fear god means you want to walk with god do you walk with him do you do you have a relationship with him we talked about the the importance of the christian walk in the book of colossians this last sunday about it's 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 every day some people you know they you think i've seen people sometimes get saved and get excited and they sprint and they, sp- and, they, and they spring up and before long, three or four or five months later, you look around and you say, where the hell? Ha- they gone. They, 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 they jumped up, they got excited, and then they left. They got disappointed. The, there's a, 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 a false teaching that everything in the Christian life is going to be okay. That there's no problems in the Christian life. That if there's a problem in your Christian life, It's only because of your sin. It's called the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is not the gospel. It's a lie. If you don't believe that, just go to the book of Job and read what he went through. What Job went through was exactly what God wanted him to go through. What Paul the Apostle went through, as we read in 2 Corinthians, as we had in the past, is exactly what God wanted him to go through. Just because you have problems and difficulties and pains and, and, and struggles and sufferings doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. Now, could it be you're out of the will of God? Well, certainly so. We've talked about that. That is true. So the first thing you do when things are going bad, especially in a, in a, in a, habitually in a pattern of life, the first thing I would... <laughs> Strongly encourage you to say, "Is Lord, is it me?" <laughs> like the disciples who stood around, who was around Jesus at the at the Lord's supper, they all said, "Is it I?" <laughs> As He was talking about, of course, Judas. They were looking to themselves, thinking, "Is it me?" First thing, we, if we have if things start happening bad in our life, ask Lord, "Is it me?" Search me, O oh Lord. Read Psalm fifty-one and David's prayer of repentance. Wash me thoroughly. Purge me from sin. Is some, is am I is something not right with me? And I tell you, you start reading this book and you ask, you sincerely ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and show you areas of your sin in life. Stand back, cause He's going to show you. Hey, if you ask the Holy Spirit to show you areas of your life where you're wrong, He'll show you. Once upon a time, a long time ago, I asked my wife to do the same thing. I asked her once. That's all I've ever asked her. I asked her once. <laughs> And she said, I'll tell you. And I I took it. I don't think I've asked her since. She'll tell you. She'll tell you if you ask now. But God, the Holy Spirit will show you if you really want to know. So F starts with favor his presence. E stands for exalt his glory. Not only walk with him, desire to talk about him. Do you talk about God out where you're at? Or do you talk about, oh, the president did this again? How long are you going to keep down that path? Oh, we got to, you know, oh, the the team did this again. I mean, obviously we talk sports and politics, but dear friend, is that all you talk about? Shouldn't we talk about Jesus? Shouldn't we tell people about what God said to us, talked to us about in our devotions? Well, if we had our devotions, if you don't have your devotions in the morning, you can't tell anybody what happened, what God said to you in the morning. So talk about what God has said, what God spoke to you about in the morning. Ask a person, your wife or your husband, hey, what, what did you read this morning? What, what helped you out? What are you reading? How is God, God challenging? You? We talk about so much stuff, and most of it isn't worth the words we're saying. What about talking about Jesus? What about talking about God? What talk about how he's answered prayer in our life? You say, man, you're talking about spiritual stuff. Yes! We're supposed to be Christians. We're supposed to be talking about things that, are, things that are higher, things that are nobler. These have allured my sight. A starts, starts to acknowledge his sovereignty. Trust him, especially when we don't understand. He doesn't always explain himself. As we learn through the study of this book, you, you, when you can't trace his hand, you can trust his heart. And R stands for remember his goodness. Remember his goodness. The unbeliever never thanks God for anything. But we're we're encouraged to count our blessings. Remember the old song, count your blessings, name them one by one. When you start to get down, start to get discouraged, when we start looking around at other people and say, oh, so-and-so, he's okay, and oh, so-and-so over there, he's all right, and oh, so-and-so, they're doing fine, start counting your blessings and asking God to show you what he's done for you, that he saved you. That the Holy Spirit indwells you, that you have the Word of God, that you live in a country that you can still talk about God publicly. You don't live in uh, Iran or China or North Korea or many other countries that are, you don't have such freedom of speech and religion as we do. So, favor His presence, exalt His glory, acknowledge His sovereignty, and forth, remember His goodness. The first action step of course is worship but the second is obedience you've all seen that a few times I'm sure every every Easter right before Easter every year that comes on the Ten Commandments it's fear God that's the beginning and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man what did Jesus say if you love me keep my commandments how do you gauge your love for God your love for God is is determined by your obedience to God. I'll say it again. Your love for God is determined by your obedience to God. Are you obedient? Are you obedient? Are you walking in the way that he would have you to walk? Are you doing what he would have you to do? Is there any sin in your life? Do you go before him on a regular basis, like you go hopefully every day or regularly to take a bath and say, search me, O Lord? You're clean before God. And secondly, you're clean before men. Not one person could come to you and say to you, you've wronged me and you never try to make it right. By the grace of God, you've done everything to be clean before God, as, as Paul did. He tried to have a conscience, a clear, void of offense between God and other people. That should be our goal, to keep his commandments. And when we break his commandments, when we sin, when we choose, because sin is a choice. It's a stepping over the line. When we choose to do that, we should be quick to ask the Lord to forgive us, repent of our sin, and ask Him by the grace of God not to do that again. I fear we spend too much time thinking about just obeying when we don't focus on loving Him. You see, if you love someone, if you love someone, you'll want to please them. I mean, if you love your wife, you not only say it, you demonstrate it. When it's her turn to do the dishes, you go ahead and do them anyways. Man, it got quiet in here. Man. <laughs> well, I got one amen from the ladies. I hope I got more than one. You say, well, you know, when, you, 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 when, it's, your, when it's her turn to do the laundry, you, well, you, if you got time, you do the laundry yourself. Well, there you go, brother. <laughs> Praise God, I got another one. You show initiative. You love. You love. Love is not just that. That, that many-splendored thing, it's not that that infatuation. Love is a choice. Lord, love is a commitment that we make to one another before God and witnesses. Till death do us part. So we our love, it should not be just rote obedience, oh, I have to do it oh I had to be here on Wednesday night oh I had to give that tithe oh I had to give faith promise or somebody's gonna be after me No, you ought to do it as I mentioned Sunday night because you want to because you love the Lord you want to give because you love the Lord you want to share the gospel because you love the Lord you love to be in church when you if you love the Lord you'll love the saints You'll fellowship with the saints. You'll encourage the saints. You'll spend time with the saints. You'll have the saints around you in your, in your prayers and your thoughts because you love them. Because the Bible says, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. The second commandment is likened to it that they love thy neighbor as thyself. So you'll love God and you'll love other people because God loves other people. And the Bible even says, love thy enemy. And that's really, that's what's really difficult. When you love that neighbor, Whose trash always comes over to your yard and you're always picking up their trash. But you love them anyways. You love that neighbor who listens to loud music up to one or two o'clock in the morning, bang, bang, boom. You're like, oh, and you've called the police, and you've called the police, but they're still playing that music. You still, the next day, if you got an opportunity, hey, we love you, you come to church. You see, maybe if they get saved, they'll quit listening to ACDC and start listening to Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, The saved to rest like me. <laughs> they'll start listening to Ron Hamilton <laughs> instead of Ozzy Osbourne. That'll be a miracle. Oh, if you love them, and you'll forgive them. So we worship, we obey, and third action is to prepare. Prepare, prepare, prepare to meet God. Verse 14, for God shall bring every work in the judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Of course, this is the Bema seat of Christ. This is actually Moses' seat. Several of the cities that I went to when I was over in Jerusalem, they had that very seat. It's a seat of judgment. When you'd go into one of these little towns, there'd be a, a judgment seat that one of the rulers, the elders of the community would sit and, and, and give out judgment when there was a it's dispute, that's, that's the judgment that each one of us as Christians will someday uh, be at, not because of our, and we will not give, of course, uh, account of our sin because Christ has paid for that, but we will give an account of our actions, will be awards given, or awards not given. Of course, for the unbeliever, that day of judgment is the white throne, the great white throne judgment, where they'll stand before The Lord Jesus Christ, I believe, and they'll be cast ultimately cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. That judgment is coming. What type of judgment will we stand before? I hope it is for the Bema Seat. By the grace of God, I pray that we choose to live in obedience. And by the grace of God, that at that Bema Seat, that judgment The seed of Christ will receive those rewards, those crowns that ultimately we will have not to heap them to ourselves because of what we've done and what we've accomplished, but ultimately to cast them at the feet of Jesus. So Solomon ends this this journal, this letter, these words with a firm warning. Wake up, son. Wake up, children. Wake up, people. Think about the purpose of your life. Think about what's happening in your life. Whether you're speeding along in that jet or you're breaking the sound barrier or you're just plodding along looking for another cup of coffee, whether you're young or whether you're old, all of us are to remember our Creator, remember who created us, remember that we should walk with Him, follow the guidelines of God's words, enjoy the gift God has given us, trust Him, what He's chosen to give us in life, prepare to stand before God because all of us someday are going to, going to leave this life. Think about our life on a regular basis. Don't be consumed with this life. Be consumed with the next life. So I read this little poem. I love it. Grant, O Lord, that we may live in fear, die in thy favor, rise in thy power, reign in thy glory, and for the sake of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's where you should live. That's where we should live. Living for Him, serving for Him, dying for Him, whatever, whatever, whatever He wants. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work in the judgment, which, and with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. I hope we keep those things, those thoughts in our minds, as we, as we have lived the rest of this life that God has given us. Because someday we're going to stand before him. Imagine if that day was a day. Would you be prepared for it? Oftentimes when I was in class, in Bible college, it'd be easy to put off that project. It'd be easy to put off studying for that test. But test day comes. When I was taking Greek in my freshman year in college, we had these... Elderly folks that were in class with me. I was about 21. They were about 60. And I remember this dear lady from Georgia. We were getting ready to take our first Greek exam. And I looked at her, and she kind of looked at me, and her eyes were sad. And I looked at her husband, and he was about the same way. And she said to me, Only the rapture can help me now. <laughs> yeah. Uh. That's true for many of us, right? But if the rapture came tonight, would we be ready? Would we be ready? Would you be ready to meet Jesus tonight? Is there anything undone? Is there any gospel message to a loved one unsaid? Is there any bitternesses, heartaches, hurts that you've not tried to, by the grace of God, work out in your life? If you met Jesus tonight tonight, Would you be ready? We all must be ready because he could come back tonight. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for, again, these folks being here on this Wednesday night. Thank you, Lord, for the closure of this book and this this very important reminder to fear God and keep his commandments, knowing that someday we will stand before you. Oh, what a wonderful day that will be. What a glorious day that will be. How we've longed for that day. Help us help us to be ready. May we be quick to share the gospel with others we see, those out, help us to have gospel tracks, help us to have the word, the gospel on our lips so we can share it with other people. Help us to be busy doing all we can while we can, knowing that someday soon we will see your face. Maybe there's somebody in your life right now you're thinking of that you're not right with. Maybe there's somebody in your life right now that you haven't witnessed to. Dear friend, I beg you, don't wait for next week. Don't wait for next month. I cannot promise you, enough. I can't promise you tomorrow in this life, but I know one thing for sure. If you know Christ as your savior, you're gonna meet the Lord. What have you done with the time that God has given us? Life is a vapor, appear for a little time and vanisheth away. What, what have you done? Have you wasted it? If you wasted it, now's the time to do something with it. Whatever time you have left, maybe two months, maybe five years, maybe much more, we don't know how much longer we have. But whatever time left, I pray you'll use it for his glory and ultimately you're good. Let's stand to our feet tonight if God has spoken in your heart about a specific area, maybe a sinful habit you're struggling with that you need to get victory over. Maybe you need to speak to somebody. Maybe you need to make a phone call. Maybe God has placed somebody in your heart you need a witness to. Say, Preacher, God has spoken to me specifically. The Holy Spirit has spoken to me specifically about an area of my life that I need to change or someone I need to talk to, somebody I need to get right with. Would you pray for me tonight that by the grace of God I will do it and I will do it soon? Would you pray for me? Anybody like that tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Somebody need to witness to. Somebody to get right with. Somebody need to call. Maybe someone you need to encourage. I need to speak to somebody. I, I have a, there's something the Lord wants me to do, and I need to do it, and I need to do it soon. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? Amen. Amen. As the piano plays, the altar's open this evening. If you want to come down, and just pray and ask God to help you do that.